Welcome to the 27th episode of the Cranky Flyer interview sponsored by Ontario International Airport. This week I'm talking to John Coleman, Director of Business Development and Pilot for Denver Air Connection. Who? Oh, I'm glad you asked, because this is actually a pretty fascinating story about how a little airline is trying to tackle the pilot problem. Before we get into the interview, I want to again thank our presenting sponsor, Ontario International Airport. ONT is excited about the strong recovery they've had in 2021, reaching 97% of pre-pandemic levels, and are looking forward to growing further this year. That's no surprise, since for the past four years, ONT has been America's fastest-growing airport as recognized by Global Traveler. Throughout the pandemic, ONT has been a leader in keeping passengers safe. It even earned the coveted Airport Health Accreditation by the Airports Council International. That dedication to safety has made ONT a model of resiliency and allowed them to keep a greater share of passenger volumes throughout the pandemic than all but two other airports. Whether it's easy parking, quick movement through their terminals, or access to great amenities, ONT makes SoCal feel so easy. Visit flyonto.com. That's flyonto.com for more information. And now, here's John. Okay. All right. So I've got John Coleman, Director of Business Development and a pilot for uh, Key Lime Air slash Denver Air Connection. Uh, and I, I want to start with who are you <laughs> as an airline? <laughs> so the airline was started uh, with a Navajo 25 years ago okay. and um, started by Glenn Rich, Cliff Honeycutt, and a guy named Dan Bauer. Dan Bauer owned some airplanes. And uh, back in the day, there was someone they were operating with that wasn't doing a very good job. So Cliff and Glenn decided that maybe they could do a better job. And if Dan would give them the airplane, they could pull it off. So, Essentially, they uh, would hang around Denver International on the cargo ramp. And uh, if there were boxes to fly, they'd fly them. If there weren't, they'd go home. And some days there were, some days there weren't. So, and then they picked up a contract, um, expanded it, I believe, into another Navajo. And then they got to the Metroliners, the Flying Scar. And, yep. uh, and now we have something like 20 cargo Metroliners. Cargo business is still very much a part of uh, Key Lime. And Key Lime, uh, the, the intent in the beginning was that they'd end up down in southern Florida. Well, I was going to say, because that name does not really uh, lend itself to Denver necessarily. <laughs> no, they, they were planning to go to Florida. And uh, they picked up the UPS routes and were never able to leave. Oh, funny. Okay, so that, they, the name just stuck. But now, I mean, you don't use that for the passenger side of the business. That, that's the Denver Air Connection piece. That's right. So the, the Denver Air Connection is the passenger brand of Key Lime Air as the parent company. And when did that start, the den or the passenger side? Uh, about, well, they started 135 charter, uh, you know, nine, 10 years ago. Well, it might be longer now. I might have to email that to you to be okay. back. Um, but they started passenger charter with a Learjet and, uh, and then got into the, the, with the 30 or more, they got the Brasilia and, uh, Started doing a lot of NCAA sports charters uh, and then got into the Dornier 328, which is what they, you know, is again the 30 seat thing and did it built a tremendous business doing charter. 
and all kinds of charter, not just sports, but, you know, celebrities and bands and you know, the, the Royal family from England and, you know, really? this kind of, yeah. <laughs> okay. Very, put, very put them on a Metro liner, huh? Well, it was a dojet, it was a dojet with those guys. And, all right. Uh, I don't want to drop a bunch of names, but at any rate, um, the, the charter business doesn't, doesn't work for, uh, new pilots. Yeah. So there's requirements, uh, for, um, a certain amount of hours that a pilot has to fly when he's new into a jet, he's got, it's called consolidation. So you got to do a hundred hours in a certain amount of times because charters, uh, you'll go out and fly, you know, an hour or two a day and then sit for a couple of days with the plane. It doesn't work. So they started to think about picking up some passenger routes. And we started with, um, the, a couple of places in Wyoming and built, uh, a little Denver, Wyoming network. That we had it was sheridan and riverton um now, was this were you guys at centennial then or was this a they DIA? ran it at denver international yeah oh okay the only centennial passenger route we did for a while was we went to grand junction oh okay and but that's that now it is gone now when COVID happened we shut that down and haven't brought it back and if we were to bring grand junction back we'd run it out of dia i think yeah okay so they uh, they became interested in the Central Air Service and uh, picked up Thief River Falls, Minnesota. Yeah. You know, the Wyoming thing was a state-funded program. Uh, oh, okay. So Thief River doing, Falls, yeah. was that the first EAS route then? Yes. Okay. And, and Clovis, New Mexico, Clovis, New Mexico, kind of in tandem. With that. Okay. And now you have Ironwood up there and... We have uh, Alliance in Nebraska. Alliance, <laughs> Alliance actually may have come online before Thief River, and uh, Alliance might have been the first, but it was in, it's in the Metro. Oh, yeah, right. And, and you have the Metros with nine seats, right? So you run that yeah. as 135? We do run it as 135, um, and everything else is run as 130, or 121. Okay. So – the big question on that is how are you getting enough pilots? <laughs> Cause nobody else. Well, is. it's very interesting. Um, in the, at the moment we're expanding the, the Metro routes and I'll explain why. So since it's 135, uh, a low time pilot can come in and you'll have to follow his path. So you understand why this works so well for us. A, a low time pilot comes in, let's say, let's call it 400 hours. Right. Right. And he, he can fly right seat in the Metro liner. Um, get him to 1200 and then he converts to cargo captain when he has the minimums to be 135 captain. So at 1200, so this is uh, maybe nine. So he comes in with four, he's got to get 800 hours. So we'll call it, we'll just call it a year to be safe, right? From training. And then sure. he starts time. But the reason our, our Metro routes are so important to us and expanding because Alliance is all we have right now, but we're getting ready, I think to quadruple that. Um, I can't, you can't talk about. <laughs> We're doubling it for sure. What are you, uh, where are you going? McCook Where's is done. McCook, McCook okay. Is done. And, and these uh, are all Denver based, or yes. are they okay? Yeah. So anyway, back to the pilot. So the pilot comes in. He's got four hundred hours. He builds his time. So by the time he gets to twelve hundred, uh, you know, two thirds of the hours that he has are in the airplane that he's going to be captain on. So now. He goes and flies cargo captain for six to eight months 
and he gains all the experience with the decision-making skills, the, um, and you know, the metros don't have autopilots. So he's out there single pilot in the mountains. He's really flying. And so once he's at ATP minimums or thereabouts, you know, he goes and uh, we get him his ATP and he can now be a, a passenger captain in the Metro. So now he does that. And he, at the same time or in the same time frame, we also upgrade him to right seat in one of the jets. So the time that he gets every moment that he spends at our airline is, is time that actually counts towards something. First, he's got to get 1200 so he can be a captain 135. Then he's got to get 1500 so he can get his ATP. And then after that, his one, his 135 captain time plus his 121 right seat time all count toward the minimums to be a 121 captain. So it's very unique. Um, but what keeps him there at that point? Because it, you know, once he's at 1500, he could go, I mean, he could almost just go straight into a, a major at some point. I mean, the way things are going right now, but there is, there is that exists for us to a certain extent. We ask these guys for a commitment of time because you have to understand when they come in with three or 400 hours, they have, they have only, it's very limited what their choices are. They can go right. instruct, they can go instruct, they can maybe get a, uh, a aerial survey job or something like that. Plus, our pay is very attractive. I, there, are, there are captains that are, if you're a captain here, even to go to the majors is going to be a pay cut. It, it really, if you go to the majors, it's a pay cut. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Not forever, but for a right. time. <laughs> At least in the, in the beginning. So you find people sticking around. It's a, it's a mixed bag, you know, and we understand that, um, you know, we don't expect guys to stay. We, we just want them for five years. We want to take them from, from, you know, low time and then get them prepared to go. They can stay at our airline. They can fly with us for five years and go anywhere they want. Yeah. yeah that's, I mean, if it's working, it's working. I, I guess it's that the ability to have that mix of 135 and 121. You, you can yeah, there's no, bridge it. there's no other place that you could stay at the same airline start at 300 hours and then go straight from us to say Delta. Okay. So, so now you're, you're growing the Metro part of the fleet. Are, are you growing elsewhere too? Cause I know you, you don't just do EAS. I mean, you've got the Telluride stuff. Yeah. And uh, which, you know, Dornier is a great airplane for that. I guess that, that's not an easy oh, airport. Absolutely. <laughs> it's not an easy airport. <laughs> and many have tried and failed. Uh, I think to well, make that you know, the, the, the problem, the problem with Telluride is it's okay on a good day, but there are very few good days. <laughs> and, you know, a good, it has to be really good in Telluride for most people to get in there uh, because the wind, you know, it's a box Canyon. And so with big, big, the Coors light cans off to the right, you know, and, uh, <laughs> So you come in there and, and you really have to be able to do the circle of the land to pull it off. Yeah. And most people will only come in and land, you know, they'll come up to Canyon and land up to Canyon. Whereas we go around and do a circle, but it's special training. Uh, but you have to understand the guys that are doing that have been flying these Metro met. They started out flying the metros and have gone through this whole process. And they're, they're just, uh, tremendous the skill is tremendous oh yeah i mean this is like uh you know getting the bush pilots out of alaska like no no one's got better skill right but uh yeah may may not be comfortable as a passenger but it's good training for 
<laughs> for the pilots <laughs> to do the job. Uh, so, all right. Um, so the growth on—I mean—are you looking to grow on on all different sides, or where where is the growth potential besides the metros here? Well, it would be on all fronts. We we want to have. Um, there's a certain number of metro routes. It may be one to one, and it may be one to two that would support um, growing into the jets. You know. Yeah. So uh, it's. I don't know for sure seeing it in practice, you know, we only have Alliance right now, so we don't have a whole lot of, of, uh, if we quadruple the routes, you know, now we're talking about in eight to eight months to a year, a pilot machine really running, um, and running well. And you have to understand something too. There's, there's a very particular, um, kind of pilot that we want that we try to, you know, create. And it's a pilot. Competent one. Exactly. You know, there's an advisory circular, Brett, that the FAA has, and I don't know if you've seen it or not. Uh, It's a draft copy, but it discusses the degradation of pilots actually being able to fly. The way we fly, and it's in our SOP, is that hand flying is encouraged. And, you know, we hand fly the plane without the flight director up 12,000 feet. Well, we will routinely do raw data approaches. Without you know what I mean by that is without the flight director, it's just green needles, keeps your skills sharp. We do it every single day. So when and we do it on clear days, bad days, whatever. So this this is interesting. I mean, you, you see all of the the legacies trying to move up the chain, right? And start their own flight schools and partner with others. And I mean they already had flow through and, and things like that, but so is this something, are you talking to some of these big guys about things like that, about flow throughs sure. and anything? Sure. So, yeah, they, nobody's at the, at the table with a deal yet, but I, I can tell you that um, there is a reputation um, in the industry of a Denver air key line pilot um, being, you know, some of the easiest to, to move into a new system as, as any. Hmm. Um, so with, with, I don't know. I mean, right now you have an interline agreement with United, right? If yes. I remember right. And, and no one else, right? Is, is that? Uh, we have another. Um, we're in testing of it right now. And, oh, okay. uh, Would you ever want to be looking at doing, you know, flying, branded flying for one of the big guys at all? Or do you like sure. the uh, more? Oh, you do. So you're open to all that stuff. Oh, sure. You know, it's uh, it, like, like everything. Um, <coughs> excuse me. It's all driven by getting this <coughs> this metro machine running. Right. You know, once the once the metro liner machine is up and running, I think we we kind of have a a perpetual pilot machine that you know, like I said, allows a guy to come here with nothing and leave at five years and go anywhere they want. And and I when I talk to um, when I talk to Delta specifically, um, I talked to their chief pilot and. And we had a very nice conversation and talked about all the concerns with, with pilot skills and all that. And I explained to him what we're doing. And, and I said, you know, I, I don't necessarily, I would love to have a guaranteed interview with you is what I said. I said, but I'm, I'm here to tell you that these are guys you want to interview. Right. And so he, you know, he took that and this was only a month ago that we spoke, but, um, but I think it'll work well for them and work well for us. We've already had several guys go to Delta already this year. 
we've had one or two go to United, a um, couple go to Southwest. I mean, these guys are, when they leave here, they're going to their career airline. So, yeah, they're skipping the regional, uh, other regionals on the way. They're just going straight there. Uh, were you guys jumping up and down when you saw Sky West abandon all these EAS routes? I mean, you know, some of these are in your range, I'd say. Yeah. Um, if it had happened in uh, nine months from now, it would have been, would have been awesome. Um, but we're taking a, we're taking a good look at what fits for us. So we don't, we, we like the measured growth and we certainly don't like to promise something we can't deliver. One of the things that makes my job fun um, is talking when I talk about the airline, um, I can say things and not be made a liar out of, you know? Yeah. They, um, the, the number one thing that, Cliff Honeycutt, our CEO, and Glenn Rich, they are, they say a flight's going, that flight's going, you know, with very few exceptions. Our, our 2019-2020 uh, on-time performance is 97.10. Our, our cancellation rate, which is skewed because it includes weather cancellations, was 99.7. We had one maintenance cancellation in 2019-2020. One. <laughs> That's crazy. So 99.75 <laughs> is wrong. We actually shoot ourselves in the foot because we include all the weather cancellations in that number two, which is something I got to fix. The real the reality is it's something like 99.9. Yeah. It, it's, it's solid is the point, which yeah. is not necessarily common in uh, EAS land. No, we went head to head with sky West. As you may know, when we were in, uh, we were awarded pier in Watertown, South Dakota last year. And uh, they refused to leave, which was remarkable <laughs> and expensive for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we went head to head with them and um, there was just no question. No question. At all. And I and I do think, you know, and for on a commercial basis, we competed very well with them. We, we, you know, it's when you're in EAS bidding for EAS markets, it's very hard for a community to ignore the United paint job. Yeah. Oh, well, I would agree. I mean, it, it also makes it easier to sell tickets and, and do all that. You know, pe people just see it as United the whole way through. Yeah. Um, and when we went of, in, yeah. when we went into that, we had some unique things. We had like our local fares only, not connections, just locals were available on United.com. We had, uh, we were in talks uh, for a code share and they pulled out all the stops to try to protect sky West. It was, it was pretty remarkable. Well, those talks may change now. So I'm thinking <laughs> so, but I, I assume, I mean, there's, there should be opportunity when you're looking at, are you, you know, keeping your focus on like Nebraska, Kansas, that kind of thing, or are you, would you base planes elsewhere too? Um, it kind of depends. We have, you know, we have an upper Midwest footprint, and we're kind of eyeballing um, eyeballing things that make sense for us. We don't need to go trying to create. If we already have something at a hub, for example, being Chicago, Denver, particularly, um, then we're we we we're looking at those things. Creating if we got to go open up, uh, like for example, we wouldn't be interested necessarily in something that was uh, where we'd have to open a new hub, open oh, our, okay. you know. 
unless Delta comes knocking and says, hey, you want to come set up here? <laughs> but, not, <laughs> but not on your own. Uh, so in Chicago, though, do you have do you have a base there or is that just, uh, you know, aircraft are flowing through? Aircraft just flow through. We do um, our, our Watertown airplane goes from uh, in the morning. It goes Watertown, Chicago, then up to Ironwood, Michigan, back to Chicago, back to Iron or Watertown, then over to Denver. And then the overnight in Watertown is a Denver plane that they cross in the air. Oh, okay. So they, that's so Chicago's not a base, but you could consider that if there was enough opportunity, I guess. Sure, we'd expand in Chicago. I mean, Chicago's you know difficult to operate and open, um, but we're there, and you know there's no reason to not not take a look at doing more things. It's all right. And you can take those again, metros. Just yeah. uh, go reopen Meg's Field. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> it would be. So Chicago, Denver, and you know the metros. We know you want to grow those because that feeds everything else. Yep. Uh, I assume the e-jets are probably pretty plentiful, and you can you can find more of those pretty easily. Yeah, the Dornier is probably a different story there. I'm guessing the Dornier is um, is a unique airplane. It's um, it's such a capable plane, but as you know, the 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 size of the entire fleet is uh small and you know it's just like if you have uh, a pretty rare sports car it's gonna be hard to find parts for it and when you do they're gonna be expensive well that's kind of what i figure it's also a 30 seat jet it can't be the most efficient uh from a cost perspective right well it just it depends on what it's doing i mean uh, running it, running it, just running the airplane, you know, putting gas in it and oil and all that flying it is not. A, and by the way, I will tell you that they are, I'm typed in it. It is a, uh, it's a, it's a really fun airplane to fly. It's not very, uh, ladylike on the ground. Oh no. Uh, uh-uh. but once you get it in the air, man. So it, it, you know, it, the engines have just this ridiculous amount of thrust. And if you ever look at the profile, look at it from the side. The tail is massive. It's a massive tail to overcome if you have an engine. So for certification, you know, you have to have uh, authority when you have an engine failure. And they're wing mounted. So the, the tail has to be really big. Not only that, the gear is on the, you know, on the fuselage. Yeah. So it's very narrow gear. So you get any kind of crosswind at all, it's just a, it's wobbly and, and funky, but man, as soon as it unsticks, it's so fun to fly. <laughs> but That's awesome. It, it, it is. It's, it's a. It's and it climbs. I've never seen an airplane climb like that thing does. Homesick angel. Fully loaded, just yeah. Yeah. So, but how long do you think you can continue to operate those with you know dwindling fleets and parts and everything else? Like, is this a long-term fleet for the company? Well, you know, anytime you think about maybe, you know, moving that resource to something different, then, you know, we have the airplanes and, and we end up finding work for them. So what we've done is we've, you know, we've become, um, you know, we have a, a robust maintenance department. Our VP of maintenance, Brian Kilburn, is an expert on the Dojet. Um, we've done things like, uh, you know, they, there's a gear overhaul that has to occur on on Dojets every, I don't know, every 10 years. And it's a half a million dollars. So what we've done is, and it's still not cheap for us to do it, but we, we have gotten, um, 
uh, a program where we can do the gear overhauls ourselves. Oh, okay. So you do things like that, that, you know, make it more efficient. I mean, they don't have reversers, you know, the brakes are, the brakes are unbelievably expensive. It's $50,000 a brake on it. And it's, it's crazy, you know, so it's, they're expensive to maintain. No reversers, huh? No reversers. Well, it's got is spoilers and brakes. So, you know, when you're talking about $50,000 a pad, um, you know, it's one of the things that happened, like with Telluride, for example. I mean, you go up into Telluride, you're going to use brakes. I would think so. <laughs> I would imagine. That's interesting, though. All right. So is that all? Is that the only place they're flying right now is Telluride? That and some charter. And they do do, they, the Dojets do Clovis, New Mexico. So we go Clovis to Dallas, back to Clovis, then to Denver. And the Dojets do those uh, on a pretty regular basis. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. So you, it sounds like right now the goal is, I guess the plan is, you know, stabilize the, the pilot pipeline, the metro liner, all that kind of stuff. Once you have all that going, then you can look at expanding further on the 121 side more. Well, yeah, we're, we're looking at some expansion right now. Um, you know, it's all sort of uh, like with the upheaval with SkyWest. Okay. So we have to make a decision by April 11th, what we're interested in, what we're not. And our interest is only limited by the ability for us to fulfill it. Sure. We're not going to, um, we can't, you know, like I said, we can't bite off more than the airline can absorb. We don't want to, and we will never, you know, make a promise that we don't reasonably believe we can keep. So if we say that we can, if we bid on a route, it's because we believe we can do it. Yeah. And there's a lot up for grabs, I guess. I mean, Nebraska, Kansas, uh, there were quite a few cities that are in there that SkyWest has given up. So, Well, it makes the Watertown in South Dakota thing so ironic. Oh, yeah. After the fight. Because (laughs) for six months, they, you know, they went to the DOT and asked for a rebid and, You'll have to read the history on it. It, it was pretty remarkable. Um, and so, you know, now uh, Pier and Water, t- there would have been 31 on the list. And there's not because we stuck it out. There was a lot of angst over. It. And when I say it was expensive, it was ex- it was very expensive because we bid it. We got it because we bid it lower than they did, quite a bit lower. And, uh, you know, we were counting on the passenger revenue and they they stayed six months. And, of course, left on the 4th of January, which going right into the slowest time of the year on top of an Omicron thing. And, um, you know, they made it as painful for us as they possibly could. Well, it'll probably be fun then to take over some of their routes now and just plant your flag. <laughs> All right. Well, good. I don't know. Is there anything else uh, you want to talk about on this? Or I, I, th- I know that I talked about it, but, you know, pilot skill is a very big deal to us. We believe it's a problem in the industry and in a time when, you know, they're trying to lower the industry is lobbying to lower the minimums for pilots to be able to fly at a sky West, for example, um, they want it to be 600 hours instead of 1500 of intense, whatever, but by intense, what they're talking about, you know, is, going into a simulator and flying the flight director all day long. If, if that's what they're talking about, they're not training pilots. They're training guys that learn how to push buttons. And when the machine fails, they don't know what to do. Um, it concerns me. Uh, 
it concerns me a lot because I know I, I know what that what that training model looks like. Yeah, I mean, this is where I think the fifteen hundred hour thing was flawed. Is you don't need that many hours; you just need more quality hours. And that's what the through the metros, Brett, through the and into the jets, and you know, giving a guy uh, like like a, a pilot with no disrespect at all, but a pilot that goes from flying a one seventy two as an instructor in VFR all the time, and having twenty five hours of multi to being an ATP is nonsense it's not it's not real experience you know a guy a, a pilot really needs to be pic on some kind of a turbine aircraft you know and out there making decisions you know the weather decisions and has to understand you know oh is this are we good or not and and that doesn't always exist it certainly doesn't exist you know systemically in the business right now I don't know about you, but I just love this kind of story. You get you get these guys that are so creative at trying to find a niche, and it's a niche that can really benefit the industry. Let's see how they can grow it. Thanks again to our presenting sponsor, Ontario International Airport. Whether it's easy parking, quick movement through their terminals, or access to great amenities, ONT makes SoCal feel so easy. Visit flyonto.com for more information. Again, that's flyonto.com for more information. And that's all for now. Until next time.